0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how long will your super last after retirement? Uh, There's been a bit of news uh, recently because uh, employers have to contribute 9.5% of your salary into super each year. That is referred to the as the superannuation guarantee charge, uh, or SG charge, uh, and that is set to increase uh, next year on 1 July 2021 uh, by half a percent, and set to increase by half a percent uh, each year for the next six years. Uh, so uh, in six years' time, uh, employers will have to contribute 12% of your salary rather than the 9.5% today. And one of the things the federal government is considering at the moment is postponing the commencement of those increases, um, because obviously, economically, you know, we've we've got some challenges. Currently, in a recession, we've got COVID going on, uh, and it's questionable whether business can afford uh, higher employment costs at this at this stage. Um, and when they made that announcement, we'll started talking about that, uh, you had industry super funds. Uh, employer um, represented um, unions or bodies and so forth, etc. Uh, etc. Et a lot of people um, weighing into the debate about whether it should or shouldn't uh, increase. Uh, Paul Keating, Paul Keating, the uh, former uh, uh, Australian Prime Minister, was probably very one of the most vocal about it. Uh, and the problem is that a lot of uh, the commentary around. Uh, superannuation and these increases in particular are motivated by uh, politics or vested interests um, on both sides of the equation. So I thought it would be good to sort of cut through all the rhetoric uh, and really focus on the facts. Uh, And when I say facts, really simple math, uh, as as someone that really um, has an affinity for Uh, evidence-based investing, Uh, I really sort of take it back to what does the evidence show us. And really, I wanted to focus on two questions. The first one is, how long would your super last after retirement? Like, How can you tell? Uh, And the second thing is then, how important are higher contributions uh, compared to, say, investment returns and fees? Now, obviously, the the first thing to determine uh, in order to work out how long your super is going to last uh, obviously, it's it's dependent on how much you spend, um, and I guess I'm not uh, going to surprise anyone with that statement. Uh, clearly, the less you spend, the longer your money is going to last, so no surprises there. The best way to sort of work out how much money you need in retirement is to really base it on what you're spending today. And whilst that might seem illogical, because there's certainly some expenses that you have today that you won't have in retirement, uh, and also, there'll be expenses in retirement that you don't have today. Um, uh, but ironically, or or surprisingly, or coincidentally, perhaps, uh, the gross amount that people spend typically doesn't change uh, from when they're working uh, through into retirement. Uh, so working out what your living expenses are, or what I call general living expenses, which is really everything, excluding mortgages, investment costs additional super contributions, childcare fees, um, uh, spousal maintenance or child maintenance, these sorts of things. Uh, Apart from those items, just your general core living expenses, that's what you really need to get a good handle on. Uh, And as a general, I mean, I've got a link in the show notes uh, to a table that I did uh, maybe one or two years ago that sort of sets out um, what general, what people are mostly spending on based on a few different scenarios. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, um, people tend to spend somewhere between 40 to 50% of their total family income, uh, gross pre-tax family income, uh, on uh, living expenses. So if your family income is um, 200000 for example, then you're typically spending between $80,000 and $100,000 on those general living expenses, um, uh, of course, the range is typically between fifty and one hundred and fifty thousand. So, even if you're earning um, uh, two million dollars, for example, you're not spending a million dollars on general living expenses. Uh, there is a limit, and that limit tends to be around one hundred and fifty. Although some people spending up to two hundred Uh, thousand dollars a year but as a just a general rule of thumb uh, I wouldn't rely on that rule of thumb much better to go back to the actual data and see where you're spending uh, because not only that'll that'll confirm it for you and give you um, confidence around the figure but most importantly if you don't what you don't um, measure you can't manage uh, and you might be surprised um, unpleasantly surprised perhaps uh, if you're spending too much uh, but that'll tell you, uh, you know, whether you've, you know, so how much you need in retirement uh, to maintain the same standard of living, which is going to be the, the sort of key point. I mean, if you need to make compromises on your standard of living as a result of not taking certain steps like making additional super contributions, better to know that today than find it out when you're retired, when it's probably too late to um, alter the, the, the course of that uh, that outcome. Uh, So what I did is I looked at three components. I looked at uh, the impact of additional contributions, the impact of higher investment returns and the impact of lower fees. Uh, So in my analysis, I compared uh, annual contribution levels at at three levels, 9.5%, which is what they are today, 12%, which is what they will be, uh, hopefully in in, uh, six years' time, depending on what the federal government does, and 15%, which is really saying... Sort of employer contributions plus, you know, three-ish uh, percent of additional contributions on your behalf. Uh, and what I did is I analysed the impact um, uh, based on uh, assumed living expenses under a few different scenarios. In fact, I include three three scenario which I'll talk about in a, a second. In most circumstances where I uh, in, where I did my analysis, contributing twelve percent or more per year had a material impact on the longevity of super. Uh, So in fact, um, for higher income earners uh, that are in their 20s or 30s at the moment, uh, that will be almost a magic bullet. That is that they they will be in a situation or could likely be in a situation subject to the other elements like investment returns, where if the government mandates a 12% contribution rate, and they are in their 20s or 30s today and they're earning above average income, it's likely super will be enough for them to fund retirement. I guess the only risk for people that are in that category is when they will get access to super, at the moment it's age 60 for most people, um, will that be pushed out? I mean, the, the age pension is 67, so, you know, you could see that there's a there'd be a temptation for the federal government to align those uh, age age ranges. Um The second thing I compared was investment returns, and I did a blog and podcast uh, a few months ago, I think now, or at least a few weeks ago, uh, where I compared the returns from the top eight industry super funds for the 20 financial year, Uh, and based on data, so revisiting those uh, same top eight funds, uh, based on the data ending August 2020. I looked at the 10-year returns and they ranged between 69 and 8.5%. So that's quite a big range, 1.6% per annum over a 10-year period it has an enormous, enormous difference on your super balance. So I guess, you know, any of those top eight funds are relatively good funds uh, by definition, um, but if you picked the worst performing out of that top eight versus the best performing will make a massive difference on your super in fact, it was so stark that the difference between the worst and the best fund uh, could be uh, the difference between running out of super in your early 70s versus super lasting for your entire retirement. So a pretty considerable uh, impact on that basis. And the last one was fees. Uh, in those uh, Out of those top eight funds, uh, fees range between, say, 0. 06 and 1%. Um, uh, so not a massive range there. Um, and I wanted to just sort of test, I guess, uh, what the impact of fees would have on super. Okay, so I, so let me share my findings and I will share them in uh, three scenarios because I looked at three scenarios um, and compared the, the different outcomes. Uh, and what you can do then is, is pick the scenario that sort of both best reflects your situation and then take those learnings away. So the first scenario I compared was a situation where a family has minimal surplus income, so therefore little capacity to make additional super contributions. In that situation, uh, what is uh, their best outcome? So my assumption was a total family income of 150000 and general living expenses of 75000 so spending 50% of, of gross, uh, gross taxable income. Uh, the number one factor for this uh, cohort uh, was ensuring they maximise their returns. Uh, So in doing so, um, Superwood is projected to last well into their 90s, which I think you would argue is a pretty good outcome. And particularly since they don't have a a huge capacity to make additional contributions, uh, and uh, doing so doesn't really massively change the outcome, unless you expect to live to you know 110 years old, um, then really focusing on making sure you're at the right fund uh, is, is really important. And just as a side note, of course, that the right fund won't necessarily be the right fund for the next 30 years. So I guess it's a point of, of really revisiting on uh, if not uh, every year, every couple of years, just to make sure that your fund isn't uh, underperforming. Uh, and the challenge with that, by the way, is that you can't expect your fund to be the top performer each and every year. That's just not going to be the case. And the alternative to to that is not investing in industry fund is picking a a rules based, evidence based approach that that um, that is proven to generate. Um, better longer term returns. But uh, that sounds like a bit of a sales pitch, so I'll put that aside. The second scenario uh, that I compared is is a scenario where the family had a higher income and average expenses. So there I assumed a family income of $230,000 uh, and general living expenses of $95,000. Um, and it's really important. In fact, you can see in the chart that I've included on the blog and the website, how sensitive investment returns are for this cohort. Uh, So making uh, additional contributions, however, was um, important too. And so I think with this uh, cohort, um, what what I learned or the takeaways here is that you could um, use two strategies to make sure that you're not going to run out of money inside super. That is making additional contributions as well as uh, ensuring your super performs well, uh, if you do uh, both those things, you only need one to work uh, and if, you, if one works, then your super is going to run out uh, at, at age 115 uh, based on my projection. So, you know, if you, if you uh, think you're going to live beyond 115, I think uh, most people would argue being overly optimistic. Um, and the uh, third scenario that I compared was people on high income but also high expenses so there I assumed a family income of $340,000, but living expenses towards the upper end of that range that I provided you at $150,000. Uh, so work hard, play hard kind of people. Um, the key observation uh, out that, that, that came out of this scenario or this cohort uh, is that if you want to spend more in retirement, you must contribute more while you're working, uh, and the sooner that you do that, the most important it is. Uh, for this cohort, investment returns were important, but probably the least important uh, of the, the, the of the three scenarios. Uh, additional contributions for this cohort was the most important factor. Uh, so uh, again, I have drawn what I would consider a, a, a pretty good-looking chart. Um, uh, which you can find in the, the link in the show notes and, uh, and, of course, the blog on our website. And I would encourage you, now that you've got that background, uh, to have a look at that chart um, when, you get a, when, when you get a chance. I think it illustrates the outcomes of this analysis. Now, um, I guess the key thing here is that I assumed, uh, when I did all these numbers, that the individual or the family, I should say, um was in their 30s uh, early 30s today that they would work for another 30 years they would retire at 60 uh, and then I worked out you know how long their super would last from there now if you are in your 40s 50s or 60s listening to this podcast you'd be thinking great Stuart but you know how applicable is this analysis to me uh well uh I think you can apply this analysis uh if you're older than 30, as long as your super balance is on track. Um, and uh, and if it is, then you can apply the findings to this analysis. And when I say on track, uh, I mean as long as your super balance is is what I would expect it to be, given your age and stage of life, then this analysis can, can be applied. But if it's not, if your super balance is under those amounts, um, then this analysis will be slightly erroneous although or, or less applicable, I should say, uh, and I'll come to that in a second. Uh, so what do I mean by on track? Well, let me give you an indication here. If you're in your 30s, I'm talking about a family here, so two spouses, uh, two individuals. Um, so if you're in your 30s, total su- you, should, you should have total superannuation of somewhere between 40 and $100,000. So again, that's total uh, of two accounts. Um, th- this is when I say you should have that amount for this analysis to be applicable to your situation. Uh, if you're 40 years old, uh, the range is you should have total super of between three and $400,000. And if you're 50 years old, your total super should be between $600,000 and $800,000. Uh, if you were in that range or at least pretty close to it, uh, then this analysis uh, is, is just as applicable. If you're under that range, uh, then uh, th- th- it's less applicable to your situation, which then begs the question, what should you do if your super is lower than the ranges that I just provided you? Well, uh, you need to, or you absolutely must do both, uh, maximising contributions and maximising investment returns. However... Of course, everyone's situation is different, but just my general financial modelling suggests that even if you do implement those two factors, uh, that is maximise contribution, maximise returns, it's likely that your superannuation will probably only last for the first phase of retirement, if you like, maybe the first 10 or 15 years, maybe 20 if you're lucky. Uh, So if you retire at 60, you'll run out of money in your 70s. So therefore, if your super balances are lower than what I just indicated, um, it's probably almost certainly suggests, I should say, uh, that you need to implement additional investment strategies outside of super, such as investing in the share market or um, investing in property, um, uh, in order to build your overall wealth uh, to mitigate that circumstance. And then what you can you know, what your general strategy could be, for example, is that super can fund that first phase and then whatever else you invest in outside super can kind of fund the second phase of retirement. Either that or you need to make fun, make friends with um, the, the possible outcome that you're going to have to make some compromises in your standard of living that is spend less uh, to make your super monies uh, work hard for you. Now, of course, making additional super contributions is almost always a worthwhile tactic, um, especially if you commit to making them over long periods of time. Uh, but whether they're the most effectual tactic the, or use of your surplus cash flow uh, is really depends on your financial position, age, and and what your longer term lifestyle and financial goals are Um, but arguably in a low interest rate environment there are other activities or uh, strategies that you can employ with your cash flow other than or in addition to uh, making additional superannuation contributions. And like almost everything with life, diversification is a good idea, it's not putting your eggs in one basket. So that's the other thing that you need to be cognizant of is that you know you don't necessarily want in 100% of your retirement wealth uh, trapped or, or, or contained inside the superannuation environment. Uh, in that situation, uh, you know you, you're at a higher uh, risk of legislative changes uh, with respect to superannuation, and which is always uh, what, or quite often a concern by people. Hey, what happens if they change the rules? Uh, less so of concern, I guess, if you're the, the closer you are to um, obtaining super, but certainly if you're younger, uh, I would um, suggest that in most circumstances, it's better to. Uh, diversify and have and build a, a reasonable amount of wealth inside super, but also a reasonable amount of wealth outside super. I guess this analysis uh, demonstrates how valuable it is to formulate a you know an, a, an astute, well-considered, holistic uh, wealth accumulation strategy, because uh, doing so gives you the confidence that you're doing the right things at the right time, rather than just taking a stab at the dark and thinking, "All right, I think I'll start." making additional super contributions because Stuart said it was a good idea. That ad hoc approach uh, to wealth accumulation doesn't necessarily uh, allow you to take the most effectual and efficient uh, and effective uh, path in order to build retirement. Uh, So as I said, uh, maybe check out the chart on the blog on the website. Uh, And until next week, uh, bye for now.